Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. We may be entering a new era in Shannon Smith Podcast. I know we're not that many episodes deep, but as I mentioned on my last episode, you may have heard, if you listened to, as I was looking on maybe trying to do something out of the vehicle, and a good good buddy of mine and uh, master level shooter as well, Wes Durth, has helped me out with the podcast stuff, getting my hardware squared away, software set up. And um, he heard that and it's kind of hooked me up with a recorder to give it a go in the car. So we did some testing and it seems like the, the quality is decent. So let me know in your feedback if, if uh, it's not, not good on your end or if anything we can do to, to make it better. But we thought it was, it was pretty decent. So we're going to give it a go. The, the advantages are uh, I've got a long commute morning and night every day. So it's going to give me more time. I think and hope to get more content and at least more frequent podcasts out to the listeners, which is something I certainly hear that folks want. And that was my goal. It's just, you guys know how life is. Time uh, time catches up on you and we've got the, the new baby now. And you know, I used to have three, four hours a night at the house afterwards and where I wasn't doing much but smoke cigars and goofing on the computer that I could get podcasts out. But not so much the case now so uh, hopefully this will give me an opportunity to get to get more frequent stuff out there which is which is my goal I like to talk about shooting I'm always thinking about shooting I'm not a I'm not a big music guy not a big radio guy so I'm not listening to the to the music in the car anyway when I'm driving I'm usually just sitting around thinking about how I can engage an 18 yard partial faster so I can maybe now share that share those thoughts with you guys so this is the first one coming off the the truck cast as we'll call it and I'll kind of let you guys know if you can't tell audio wise when it's coming from the truck cast versus the home studio probably needless to say if we're coming from the truck cast I'm not going to be sampling whiskey and and sampling cigars for your for your lifestyle portion but maybe we can talk about some other stuff Uh, so I'll kick this one off with a couple of uh, a couple of items I left off of the last the last podcast, which which ran longer than normal, but I still managed to forget things. I was talking about prior matches since I'd been with you last, and I I forgot about my my trip down to Suriname. So I was fortunate enough to be invited by a good friend of mine, Sergio, down to Potomatibo, Suriname. It took me a while to, to get the pronunciation right. That's uh, the capital, and you may not know where Suriname is. I certainly didn't when I was first invited down there but it's in uh, South America on the north uh, north coast north northeast coast I guess you would say it's between Guyana and French Guyana not too far from Venezuela and although not technically in the Caribbean I guess uh, it's just a little bit south of of the Caribbean uh, probably best known for ecotourism big rainforest area and uh, I didn't have the opportunity to do that I was on kind of a quick quick time schedule uh, kind of a last minute deal 
And so it ties into what we were talking about last episode as well about you know shooting guns that aren't yours and being familiar with different gear and self-defense wise. You know, does it really matter if you train on the range with a 17, but yet you carry a 19, or maybe you carry a 43 or a 42 or whatever? So this kind of ties in there as well. Uh, I mentioned the Pro-Am. I was using a, a borrowed gun because mine broke. Here I was using a borrowed gun because I didn't have mine. We couldn't get the paperwork done in time to carry my gun internationally. And it wasn't a big deal. You know, it's again, you're probably not going to perform at, the, at, your, at your most top level of performance, but... You know, gun's a gun, trigger's a trigger, sight's a sight. Let's let's go out there and get jiggy. So I was uh, fortunate to, to shoot well. I was down there for the grand opening of the MTC MTC Resort, and it's um, they've they've put a good sports complex down there together to try to bring in some some action sports tourism. They have a motor uh, motocross track, uh, Olympic swimming pool, some Olympic volleyball uh, beach volleyball courts and uh, skeet range and then a action pistol uh, area which I think I didn't count I think there was I don't know six or eight six or eight bays there maybe maybe more and I know they were talking about putting in some additional ones as well uh, so it was a great time all in all they they did a demo on Saturday they had like a demonstration group coming in for for each sport they had a lot of spectators in from the city to come in and check it out and so we did our, our shooting demo, and they had the, the motors, motocross demo. We got to go watch that. That was cool. And then some volleyball, and swim, they had a little swim meet. And a um, little party afterwards, brought some bands in, and had some barbecue and some, some good drinks. So it was a, a great time as always. And then Sunday, we had the, they had the local match there, which was just a level one IPSC match. But it was cool because a lot of people were in from out of town for the grand opening so I was able to shoot in the match that was cool again shot the borrowed gun no big deal the stages were, were really good match was well put together and then if you follow me on Instagram you saw the uh, owner of the range Roy had a, a Glock 18 18C actually and I was able to shoot that so that was the first time I've shot the full auto Glock pistol so that was cool I'm not a I'm not a big gun boy I've you know been around guns my whole life military I've shot plenty of full auto weapons that that doesn't do anything for me but you know when you see something you've never seen before especially something like a full auto pistol that was pretty cool and remarkably actually way way more controllable than I expected I shot a pretty pretty good group with it not not far away but you're not going to be shooting full auto pistol that far away so that was cool so I want to touch on that and then another uh, story I left out uh, regarding the IPSC Nationals one of the questions I had on my um, on the podcast queue, which I haven't gotten to, has been a, a relatively old question. But the guy asked, "Why don't we call our own penalties uh, similar to golf?" And I thought that was a good question, and that that rings home for me pretty hard. You know, I, I certainly pride myself on having a high level of integrity, and I think you could check with my fellow competitors and. And they would agree. And I've man, I've I've been in that situation so many times, where you know you're doing well in the match, or it's coming down to the end, and you walk up to target, and there's one hole on it, and every fiber of your being is wanting to pull the target and ask for a double. And it's it's an inner it's an inner struggle. I'm not going to lie to you that 
that I've, I've been in that fight. Or you got to say, look, dick, you know damn well that's not two hits. So take your medicine, shut the hell up, go back, load mags, and get ready for the next stage. And that's a, it's a tough position to be in. Uh, believe me, there's plenty of competitors out there that I personally know that don't have that level of integrity. They, they you know, they make they make every they, they make every effort to manipulate the RO in order to get calls to go in their favor. And when they when they they know damn well they miss the target. I've I've flat out seen it. It's not it's not a debatable topic. It is fact. But that said, I have seen over the years that it's it's the pendulum has swung you know back in the my opinion the proper direction uh, for a while you know when i first started shooting there were definitely there was definitely a mentality amongst the competitors of what can i get away with and if you're out there taping targets and you see a you see a no shoot hit you know you don't see you don't say anything to the ro you wait till the next guy's loaded and made ready and getting ready to shoot and then you say oh wait 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 what about that no shoot and at that point, the competitor's score sheet signed. He's probably not going to get the hit and that type of thing. Um, and that's BS. And, and you know, I was never really a part of that, but there was definitely a culture that was like that back then. Look, nobody wants to rat out anyone, but if the dude had a no-shoot, he had a no-shoot. It's, it's his turn to own it and, and suck it up and deal with it. Don't, don't yak the trigger next time, and that won't happen. Uh, but I have seen over the years that it's definitely come back, I think, to a more... Uh, correct angle, in my opinion. You know, I, I I shoot with the pros most of the time, and uh, you know, there's they they, they squad the, the pros together for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons we like to be squatted together is we kind of police ourselves. And and I'm not saying any of these guys would try to get away with something if if there wasn't a, a bunch of the, the fellow competitors there. But we're certainly less likely to try. You know, if you, you everybody knows what's going on. Everybody sees that extra shot. Everybody sees that missed shot. Everybody sees the the lack of a shot. You know, we all notice that instantly. And then it's just a matter of scoring the target and seeing what's seeing what's going on. And uh, so I've been in that position a lot. And I, I, you know, I would I would challenge you to man up, take your score. You know, if you know you foot faulted, if you know you didn't shoot a target, if you know you you pulled off, don't don't make the RO waste my damn time pulling out a a uh, overlay for a single hole on the target when you know goddamn well you jerk the trigger just man up to it and get on with it and again there's competitors in this day and age that that don't do that and we all know who they are and everybody knows and all the all the pros know who the guys are that do that so you don't think you're getting away with nothing we know but that leads me to the story so during the ipsc nationals on after staff day on friday this guy calls me that night and back up couple seconds uh, as a part of my so I'm in a weird spot at the Ipsic Nationals as I'm you know, a competitor vying for the win but also match director running everything there is to run so one of the things I do as match director is I look at the scores uh, normally at the end of the match but because we had some time Friday or I forget the reason but for whatever reason I was looking at them on Friday and I look for anomalies so I'm looking for um, if some guy I'd never heard of won a stage. Again, no offense, but if some guy I'd never heard of won a stage, that's a red flag. I'm going to take a harder look at that stage to make sure the score was correct. If uh, the second place guy on a stage is uh, 60%, that's a red flag. That tells me there may be an anomaly there. I'm going to look for that. 
So things like that we're looking at because, you know, if, if, if somebody wins a stage by an astronomical amount and it's a incorrect score, uh, fat fingered on the tablet or whatever, you know, that, that can make a difference in the overall finish. And that, it has made a difference in the overall finish at my matches uh, one time. And I've, you know, learned a hard, hard lesson there. So it's something I always look at now. And I just happened to be looking at it on Friday. And there was this guy named Ben Langford who I didn't know the name off the top of my head. And he was winning a stage and happened to be winning it over me. I was second place on the stage. And by a significant margin, I think I, I don't remember exactly, but I think I was 66% or something on the stage. So that was a couple of red flags. You know, a guy I wasn't familiar with winning and then me being so far down. But there was also a lot of weird things that, that made it plausible. It was a really small stage, six targets, or I mean, sorry, three targets, uh, only six rounds. They were far away, like 27 yards or something. And there was two partial targets and a open target in the middle. And they were tight. They were pretty tight partials as well. So I knew I had I had intentionally took three shots on the partials and two in the middle. So I had intentionally taking two extra took I had had intentionally took two extra shots on the stage. So that adds I don't know at least a second, three quarters of a second probably. And then I'm thinking, well, I mean, if somebody just, you know, jerks it out and hoses it, you could probably pull another half second on me. So overall, I think, I forget what it was, but he was a second half, second and three quarter ahead. And, uh, you know, so we had looked at it the day before it had come up, but I was like, what are we going to do? I mean, the, the paper backup matched, the, the tablet matched, everything. There's nothing you could do about it. Well, he called me that night and he says, hey, man, I'm so-and-so and, -so, and uh, that's, score on one of my stages is not correct and it happened to be that stage and you know who knows why it happened the timer maybe the timer malfunctioned uh, I, I think we had time problems with the timer later in the match on that stage I know it was a timer on a stage I'm not sure if it was that one the uh, range officer could have typed in the wrong the wrong time you know fat fingered a, a three for a four or a four for a five or whatever on, on the seconds uh, so who knows what what caused it exactly, but uh, it happened, and and you know so big kudos for Ben for for stepping up and saying hey that score is not correct and I want to make the score correct, and he was from out of town not not leaving till uh, a little bit later that next day, and was gracious enough to come by the range and reshoot the stage and had a decent run on it. It was a couple seconds longer, you know, right about where he should have been. And uh, so it was super cool to him. And the dude's a hell of a shooter. I, I, I think he posted a video on uh, YouTube or Facebook somewhere. I may have shared it on our Facebook page. If not, I'll check it out and uh, get it up. But I watched some of his stages. And uh, he's, a, he's a heck of a, up, uh, I was going to say up and coming. I don't know if he's up and coming. I don't, I don't know the guy that well. He may be shooting for a while, but he's a heck of a good shooter and someone to keep an eye on. And certainly... Uh, high integrity to, to make a call like that so I, I appreciate that you know and on that note if on a, on a match administration standpoint you know everybody's gone to pretty much practice score now on a tablet of some sort either an android or a ipad we use uh we use the galaxy notes which we're pretty happy with 
We use, you know, for big matches, we use paper backups. But, you know, if it's wrong in the tablet and you write it down, and you write it down long, wrong on the paper, then what good is a paper backup really doing you? So it, I'm not a big fan of the paper backups, although I will say that my my stats dudes have said that it's, hey, it saved our butt on a couple of occasions where we were missing a score, somebody backed up and, and erased a score by, by accident or something. So I defer to them on that. They're, they're smarter than I am on, on keeping the match running from a tablet standpoint. Uh, but this has happened at a couple of matches. One of them was a national championship. And I'm not going to go into the details, but I am 100% uh, positive that this happened. So somebody shoots a score, and it is, it is a, in my opinion at least, it was an unrealistic time on the stage. And I brought it to the attention of the of the range master. And this wasn't a, it wasn't a match that I was running, but so the range master goes and looks at the tablet to verify because it was I was running off what was published on the internet. And uh, they verified that on the tablet, and then they said they verified it on the paper backup copy as well. I didn't physically see that, but I have no reason to believe they were not being truthful. And so they kind of said, that's it. And, you know, I'm not just to, to, to praise myself, but look, I'm a professional shooter. I know, I know what could be done, and I know who did this particular time on a particular stage, and I, I know it's not possible. I know it didn't happen. And I conferred with some other shooters, and I yeah, no, no way. So we, I kind of ran, ran it up the chain uh, to, a, to a higher level official, and eventually to the highest level official and you know the answer was well what can you do they they talked to the particular shooter in question the shooter said no that's it was legit and they talked to the range officer of, of the of the stage and you know he said as far as as far as he knows there was nothing squirrely or, or, in, or incorrect about it and then you look at the, the, the tablet you look at the paper backup well, bam, there's nothing you can do. And it ended up not mattering. But what happens here is, is if you understand the hit factor scoring, what happens here is somebody somebody wins a stage that shouldn't have. That affects the overall standing of other people unrelated to that stage. So you're taking, you're taking a stage win from somebody, which results in basically a bump, a free bump of a couple of points. It could be, you know, it could be a point and a half. It could be... 50 points it doesn't it doesn't matter it, it's the matter of if they if they deserved it they should have they should have gotten it um there's certainly been matches won or lost by less than a point and a half uh so so those things the point is that those things happen with scoring and there's i don't have a fix for it there's nothing you can do about it it's uh you know i don't know i i, I don't know if you can arbitrate i think we even asked they said you couldn't arbitrate that but um you know, if, if people know that it's not right, then hopefully there should be some type of a recourse for it. But again, how do you, who draws that line and what's what's unbelievable and what's not unbelievable? I don't I don't have the answer for that. But just a PSA there for if you know don't take scoring lightly because it matters and make sure you're you're fingering things in correctly and you're you're paying attention to to the time. But what got me off on that rant was was Ben. So 
kudos to him. Good job, and we uh, I certainly appreciate him making his making that tough call and coming back and, and reshooting as well. Not to mention he had to come back, get geared up, get amped up, etc. For for just to shoot one stage that happened to be a pretty difficult technical long range stage. So that was cool. Uh, one other question I was going to get into before uh, the other thing about the the truck casts is the commute's 40 minutes, so they'll definitely be shorter than that. Uh, another question I was going to get into came off the Facebook page. Uh, what have you been fo- focusing on during your world shoot preparation? Uh, if you've been paying attention to my, my blog or, or Facebook page, I've been working on getting ready for the world shoot pretty hard the last few months. The qualification process was, you know, a number of years long. So that started in 17, 16, 15. So that started in in, in uh, 15. And I was prepping before that because I knew I was going to try out for the open team. So it's been a number of years, you know, a lot of years. I've been shooting open in preparation for this moment now. But... He really ramped up at the end of last year once the the final qualification match ended, which was the the uh, nationals in was it September, October or whatever it was last year. Yeah, at that point I knew for sure I was on the team. I was pretty sure I was gonna make the team regardless, but at that point the numbers were done, the the jury was in, so it was I was definitely on the team. And that's when I kinda started formulating a plan. Uh, for preparation, it, you know, not to sound like a defeatist, but at 44 years old, next world shoot go around, I'll be 47. You know, this is highly likely the last, the last main team I'll make it on. I'll probably be on a senior team in two world shoots, I hope. But you know, the, the amount of effort required, the amount of time, the amount of ammo, the amount of training, the amount of preparation, uh, just to qualify for the team. Is, is intensive it's you know not that I don't want to shoot and would rather be shooting believe me if I won the lottery I'd I'd be shooting every weekend and I'd be riding my my motorcycle to match to match and paying a bus driver to fly my or to drive my family and ammo there um, so I enjoy the sport but when you're trying to work and, and make a living and and buy ammo and put the training time in and and maintain your fitness and 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 it's it's taxing it's i'm not gonna lie it's it's tough um so kind of having that feeling that this is the last one i might be on you know i've, I've put on i've put in everything i can put in i've given everything i can give i've trained as much as i can train i've tried to prepare myself as much as possible in all aspects uh, and so i started months and months and months ago with working on a training plan uh, getting the gear together and uh, I shoot a lot on a regular basis anyway. I mean, a lot by normal people's standards. Pretty much every day I'm shooting something. A lot of that has to do with uh, training stuff. So a lot of it is maybe not the same gun. So I've been shooting Glocks, for example, for most of my most of my training for tactical classes and self-defense classes or production classes or whatever. I'm running the Glock, so not the same, but still that, that leads back to our last topic of if you're working fundamentals, you're working fundamentals. And then still shooting open during the, the competition season and 
you know, the big matches and training up for those as well. But then once this year rolled around, after the holidays, I, I really, we had our big match schedule here through the spring with the state match and the Florida Open and all that. But really the first of May was when my, air quote, official training program started. So I have a series of, of training days or training, training sessions that I worked on, typed out uh, specifically to the World Shoot. And they're broken down into 500 round sessions or 300 round sessions. And I based that on basically how much time I had that particular day. If it was going to be a day where I had to teach a class, then I'd you know, throw a 300 round session on at the end. If it was a day I had free to do whatever, then I'd you know, generally throw a 500 round session in. And some of the sessions are more time consuming than others. Some of them are just flat out on a plate rack all day for the whole session, maybe 300 rounds. Well, that doesn't take long. I mean, hell, you're done in an hour. And then some of them are working, working stages. So if you want to work stages, including some movers, swingers, bobbers, whatever, you want to work work 500 rounds on that, well, that's going to be a, a long time because now you're only getting, you know, three or four reps in and you got to stop, reset. I don't have a, uh, not rich enough to have a reset crew out there with me, so i got to reset, you know, tape the targets, pick up the steel, reset the swingers by yourself, then go back, load mags, and get ready to go again. So a lot more time consuming. So it just kind of depended on what I had going on that particular day and uh, how much time I had to, in terms of which which drill I would pick. Uh, the other aspect of that is, is just getting behind the gun, just getting rounds down range. That was a big part of it as well. I mean, yeah, I shoot a lot, but the world shoot. You know, I wanted to, to again, give myself every opportunity. And I'm not a big proponent of you've got to shoot you know, 10,000 rounds a day, every day type of thing, but getting behind the gun matters. I mean, seeing that sight work matters. Working that trigger matters. So the more time you can get behind the gun, I think the better off you're going to be. So that was a big part of it as well, just getting time behind the gun. And then vetting out your gear, you know, making sure shit's working and ammo's working and accurate and making power factor, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That proved to be an issue, as you've heard in in the past casts. I had problems with my sights. The, the, the Seymour RTSs were breaking left and right. So I made a decision to abandon those. And, you know, these are big decisions. Uh, big decisions, in my opinion. I've you know, been training hard on this one site, which is a different presentation level that I'm bringing the gun to than a traditional Seymour. But reliability is king. And if the, the sights are going out, then that... You know, there's nothing you can nothing you can deal. You you can't work around that. If your sight goes out in the middle of a stage, there's no workaround. You're you're just effed. There's nothing you can do. So I made the decision. Hey, we gotta abandon this and, and start over. So junk the sights. I went back to the traditional Seymour upright mount, and uh, that's been great. So that's, that was working well. Uh, and then I think I talked about this on the podcast last one. Then I then I cracked cracked both barrels and both guns at the same time. And that's, you know, I've been shooting 20 years. That's never happened. And yeah, I was hitting them pretty hard, but I wasn't, I wasn't wearing them out. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't doing 3,000 round days or nothing like that. It was, the biggest days were were 1,000 rounds, and that's between two guns. So that's only 500 rounds on a gun. So it wasn't that, and who knows why? It's you know, hybrid barrel. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a techie guy. I just shoot. So I, I don't know why it happened. All I know is that it happened, and it happened to both 
you know, both barrels at the same time. And I'm at the worst possible time. I had, had Max coming in to train together. We had the Pro-Am coming up. And I know I mentioned this stuff last time. So, that, that, But, again, that's part of it. You need to vet. you got to vet your gear out and make sure your shit's running and, and working. And and they worked for a long time. So I can't fault the gun. I can't fault the barrel, really, except that it was just bad timing. And they both they both took a dump on me at the same time. So I had to switch guns, and now I'm you know shooting borrowed gear. And again, we covered this in the last podcast, but we got through it. So I still still got some training value. Uh, you know, missed a couple days of training, but not a ton. And now we got the new guns back. So now it's back to a couple days of of uh, you know endurance testing, rigorous testing, and you know we had to re-chrono, re-accurate, you know recheck the accuracy, re-zero the guns, and and that's all that's all run great. And so it's been this week. Today is uh, Friday, so yeah, it's been it's been a full week of work getting that getting that stuff done. I got the guns back on Sunday. Shot a local match on Sunday, and then Monday morning training started We're on the new platform, new guns. I think I shot 750 rounds. Sunday, 500 or uh, no, I mean, I shot a match on Sunday. Shot 750 on Monday. Uh, 500 on Tuesday, 300 on Wednesday, and so it's just getting getting rounds down. Guns are ro- running great. So then it comes to more specific to the question: What are you working on specific to the world shoot? Well, some things besides getting behind the gun. Some things you're going to see in, inter- in international matches that you don't see here in the U.S. So things like unloaded starts. You know, you're going to see a lot of those. Uh, gun totally unloaded or magazine in the chamber or magazine in the magwell nothing in the chamber you're going to see that uh, you're going to see gun on the table uh, this international thing they don't start with the guns loaded in your holster a lot uh, maybe because they don't have the second amendment don't have the freedom and they can't carry guns so it feels weird to them to carry a loaded gun who knows but definitely something that you see a lot so i'm working that you know you're going to see higher levels of accuracy than what we see here so long range you know, 15 to, to 22 yard partials, plates plates at, at 20 meters, 20 yards, that type of stuff. Uh, you're going to see uh, difficult setups or what I call technical matches. So it's going to be set up to a to an awkward position and shoot some long range plates and swingers, and then get out of that position, set up in an awkward position, shoot some hard lean angles, and then get out of that position, set up in another position. In the, in the U.S., you tend to see more flow, more more fun, I guess you could say, where you're flowing in, shooting on the move. they got targets available to shoot on your way in, targets available to shoot on your way out. And it's kind of, you can just kind of flow through it. Um, you know, what I call a technical stage in IPSC, I call a choppy stage in USPSA, where you can just, like, never get going. It's like set up, shoot, set up, shoot, set up, shoot, set up, shoot. Nothing wrong with it, just not really our, not really our flavor. And not what you see normally in our matches, so I know that that's something I need to work on uh, for their matches. And then I mentioned this before, but shooting a lot of strong and weekend more more so than normal. Although they just released the stages yesterday, and there's not really hardly any strong and weekend. But my philosophy's changed on that in terms of practice value. I know I mentioned it once already. I'll talk more about it later. Uh, so we're working a lot of that, and then moving targets, swingers, um, 
sliders I haven't really worked on, but I've worked on a fair amount of swingers. So then yesterday, uh, they just released the stages to the world shoot. So looking through those, and I don't, I don't pour over the stages and figure out, you know, what angle I'm going to shoot every target from, from every position. That's just, a, it's a wasted effort. The stages never look like that when they're on the ground. And believe me, I, I draw a lot of stages in PowerPoint and I set up a lot of stages on the ground in the dirt and they don't jive. So don't waste your time trying to figure that kind of stuff out. What I do look for, however, is weird stuff. Start positions. Uh, is there going to be a lot of prone shooting? Is there going to be a lot of one-handed shooting? A lot of moving targets? Um, awkward positions? A super low kneel? Hard lean? That type of stuff. Those things you can identify from the written stage briefings or from the from the posted stages, and maybe you can find something there that you can practice a little bit. And then one of them I did find today. So I shot I shot that today. And it was six targets. They're half targets. And I usually count... I learned this from my buddy Jenkins, Dave Jenkins. I, I count the weirdness. The, count the weird things. How many weird things we got going on? So on this particular stage, they had half targets. So that's one thing's kind of weird. Then they're only scoring one round per target. So that's kind of weird. You're only shooting once when you're used to shooting twice. The gun started uh, unloaded. So there's a thing. And it was in a something or other it's like down in a bucket or something so there's something else the start position is on your knees so there's another thing so there was just a lot of elements of weird shit going on that made it very easy to practice and we don't know distances I don't know how far away the targets are I don't know how partial the targets are but you know we had some half targets left over from last match so I set six of those up I put a little table at uh, 16 yards and unloaded gun, started on my knees and beep, load, we can only and do it to it. Uh, so it's just a couple of aspects that you can work on. You know, again, starting from your knees, do you stand up or do you stay kneeling? Uh, you're loading with your, with your, you know, loading like normal strong handed, then transition the gun to your left hand and shoot. Or do you just pick up the gun with your left hand, load it with your strong hand and shoot that way? There's a lot of different aspects you can work on in a very simple, not round-intensive setup. You know, six rounds per run. Uh, so a lot of aspects I could work there to figure it out. And I actually took a video of it and put it up on it's on my YouTube channel at Shannon Smith Shooting. So you can check that out. I'll, I'll link that to Facebook as well. So that was a question off the, off the Facebook page for my boy Treant. And I appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully the truck cast is going to work out. I can get more content in front of you more frequently. But just pulling into the casa now. I'm going to fix myself a cold drink. It's been hot out here working all day. So hope you guys have a good week. And I will, uh, I'll try to get back with you one more time before I take off. And then this new setup I'm working with is super portable. So I'm going to take it with to the world shoot. And maybe I can wrangle up a couple of pro shooters or a couple of international shooters if there's anybody you'd like to, to hear from on a podcast maybe we can I can grab someone for you know five minutes here or seven minutes there kind of thing let me know otherwise see you on the range welcome back my friend
friends to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. 